Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Joe and Johnny, for sharing. And uh, I just love always getting to hear a little bit more about different people's stories. You know, normally uh, I do most of the talking around here, but I love getting to hear. Uh, I watch these for the first time on Sunday morning with you. Well, not with you, first time in the nine o'clock because... I've already done this once, but anyway, uh, it's so great to just know what God is doing. I was speaking to uh, everybody, a lot of people, and so thanks so much to them, and uh, we've been praying for Johnny this week. She's recovering from surgery. God bless you guys. Thanks for sharing. Welcome to everybody else as well that's watching, worshiping with us online. Great to be with you. I'm continuing our series, Spirit and Power. Um, Just a couple weeks ago, somebody came to me and they said, well, Pastor, why are the note sheets hole-punched? I said, that's a phenomenal question. They're for the binder. They were like, what binder? And it turns out we were out of them. So I didn't know that. Thanks for asking. Um, and uh, now we got more in. So they're out there. You could get one at the Welcome Center. You've already paid for them by the offering. So thanks for that. And so give it, get a gift for yourself. Uh, praise the Lord. On the way out, if you want one, they're there. You can put them right in there. Anyway, prayers, journals, all that. And uh, you can take advantage of that. They're pretty much an average black binder, but now there are logos on them. I think they're anointed. I'm not sure. I don't know. But... Praise the Lord. You might take notes on your app or on your phone, however you do that. I just uh, pray you do that so you can review things later. You can check it out according to the word for yourself throughout the week. And uh, that's a good thing. Amen. Well, hopefully you have your notes in whatever form you have them. Grab them and uh, I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Today we are concluding our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And um, in the first service, Somebody had said, uh, some people are excited for that. And I leaned over to Pastor Vicente and I said, if you're not excited for that, it means you were not fasting. Okay, praise the Lord. But uh, he said, I'm so ready to uh, break this fast at Connect Lunch. So that's going to be great. We're looking forward to having you. But our theme this month has been spirit and power. Today will be a little bit of a different feel. Um, the first couple of weeks we had said, first week of December, I read from Luke chapter one. And the Bible says that John the Baptist would go out in the spirit and power of Elijah. And I recognize, you know, not everybody has deep biblical knowledge or an awareness of history. And we're understanding exactly what Elijah was up against in his day. But the truth is there was a lot of similarities in his day and to our day. So King Ahab, Jezebel, uh, idol worship, idolatry, this kind of stuff. I'm going to talk a lot more about that next week. First Kings chapter 18. You don't want to miss it. I'll be uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. But these last couple of weeks were all based from Luke chapter one, verse 17, that the Bible says that the anointing that he carried would turn the hearts of the parents to their children. That's why two weeks ago, I preached on prayer mandate number one for me this year, which if I'm your pastor, it makes it a prayer mandate for you as well, corporately, um, about restoration of the family. That, that there are things that have happened in our society. There are plans from the enemy over time that have attacked the fabric. The family's always been God's idea. And so we're praying um, for that this year, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. Then last week, um, talked about revelation for the foolish. That was taken out of the next few words. It says that the, the hearts would be turned of the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. 
And uh, we live in a time where people think they're wise. We got more information, but I think we have less knowledge. And, and uh, you know, so we're praying for that. There's, a, there's something about the Spirit of God doing a work in people's lives that supersedes things that we could say, that we could try to explain. And I mentioned, you know, Leonard Ravenhill last week in his book, Why Revival Tarries, it said, you know, the Bible's not primarily a book to be explained, but to be believed and obeyed. And so that's what we're praying for in this regard in our land. And, and um, uh, I was a little bit excitable in the last two weeks. Today, I'm going to remain much more calm, not because I'm not as passionate about it, but my dad has always told me, the more you're talking to somebody, the calmer you should be. <laughs> so if I'm talking to somebody else, I can yell and you're like, get them, pastor. But today, I'm talking to you. Now, I should say, I was also in the last two weeks, but I understand, because how many people know, even within the household of faith, we got problems with our families. How many people know within the household of faith, we got some people doing some foolish stuff? That's fine, you're not gonna raise your hand, you don't care to help the pastor, you're gonna nod your head, but that's, your response meter is gonna go down today because it's going to get, I had one guy said, that's the last time I'm sitting in the fourth row in the first service, I'm going back to the back. I said, I'm coming for you in the back too, don't worry about it. <laughs> but today we're talking about preparation of the church. I wanna read from Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Today I'm gonna to read dozens of verses uh, for us, but uh, I believe the word of God is still living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, and therefore, we'll let the Lord do the heavy lifting today. His words speak clearly to us. So if you have a Bible, you can turn Matthew chapter 25. If you're able, you stand to your feet this morning for the reading of God's word, and uh, I'll just read the scripture for our first point. It's Matthew chapter 25. Um, verses 1 to 13. It says it's the parable of the 10 virgins. The Bible says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. By the way, if you have a choice, be wise. Come on, don't be foolish. <laughs> this is serious stuff. Five were foolish, five were wise. The Bible says the foolish ones took their lamps, but they did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming, <laughs> and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us, both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, while they were trying to get ready, while they were doing what they should have already done, the Bible says the bridegroom arrived. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject, the, the message, the prayer point, the mandate that I've titled Preparation of the Church. Let's pray 
together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the great gift of your son, Jesus, who's invited us all to the great wedding banquet. We ask Holy Spirit, speak to us all. Help those of us who are not ready to recognize it this morning and to get ready while we still have time. Help us to become more like you, Lord Jesus. In that mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. While I admitted that those first two messages may have felt like they were for everybody else, they definitely included you and I. Society at large is really nothing more than you and I, our neighbors, our coworkers. It's people, the collective values that we are living out is really what society is. Of course, we know we have problems inside the church. We got family issues, we got foolish actions. So um, the first two were for everybody, but they were also for us. But this one is really just for us, okay? Because it's called preparation of the church. My dad's always said, we should not be surprised when sinners sin, but we should be surprised when saints do. (laughs) This is to us. We're talking about, in other words, how about this? Can you just help me out? This might be the last time you want to say something back to me today, but say, this is for me. I know it might be for your neighbor as well, whether you're married to him or you like to be, I don't know. But you know, this is for each of us. So we don't want to point a finger at somebody else. This is for me. I want to talk about four areas that I see are lacking in the area of preparation within the church of Jesus Christ here in America. Number one, we need to be prepared for the Lord's coming. We need to be prepared for his coming. All 10 were invited. All 10 looked to be ready. They all got dressed up. They got their hair did. But when the bridegroom arrived, only five were prepared. Only five were ready with oil in their lamps. Throughout scripture, oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's possible to get dressed up for church every week, get your hair done, get a new outfit, smile for the camera, look the part, but lack the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your daily lives. The psalmist gives us another indication of oil in scripture, Psalm 45 and verse seven, talks about being anointed with the oil of joy. I submit to you today, that I think the ministry of the Holy Spirit and joy are two of the biggest things lacking within the church in America today. It's a great description, a sad one, of the church. I mean, not the people at the 1045, probably the people that came to the nine. (laughs) By the way, I told them it was not the nine o'clock, it was the 1045. So I'm just being honest with you here today. We all like to think it's somebody else, but I would ask you, How's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life today? How's your level of joy in serving the Lord today? Are you looking forward to the Lord's coming with joy and excitement? Or are we just dreading it until we get there? Pastor Josh mentioned this, our new youth pastor, um, 
who led us in that time of prayer this morning, he mentioned it uh, this week when we were talking. He said, you know, it's kind of the difference between being excited about being invited to a wedding and not. I know some of you look super spiritual and you're like, I'm all, no, no, think about it. When you get a wedding invite in the mail and it's a, a couple that you like, that you're excited for them to get married, you're like, this is great. I'm excited to buy them a gift. I'm gonna spend time with them on Saturday or whatever day they get married. Like, this is awesome. We all know what that's like. We're like, that's great. They're engaged. I'm invited. This is phenomenal. And then we also have invitations that we've received that we immediately feel like, please let me be busy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, I don't, I just, I don't wanna get them a gift. I don't wanna buy. I don't even think it's gonna work out. Oh, now some of you are like, that's too far, pastor. Come on. You've met some people. You're like, they're just in lust. They're not even in love. They, you know, just, you know, so you're like, I'm gonna give them a gift receipt. Cause you know, it's just like, that's, you know it when you got it. Okay, that's fine. Just judge me. That's all right. Well, I'm gonna get to the rest of you in a minute. But there's a difference between being excited about getting someone a gift and spending time with them and getting dressed up and celebrating and taking a picture and then the time where you're like, they just want a gift. <laughs> Let me ask you, how would you describe your walk with the Lord? Are you excited to give him your Saturday? Are you excited to give him a gift or do you dread it? <laughs> you're like, oh, I've got to... I got to read the Bible. I got to read the devotional. The church printed it. My, uh, what, what is the feeling of your heart? Do you have the oil of joy when you look forward to his return? The psalmist said it this way. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, Psalm 122, let us go to the house of the Lord. Do you get excited when you realize on Saturday night, tomorrow's Sunday. Do you get excited Monday morning and you're like, it's time to start a new devotion? I'm just saying, it's more than the, just the gathering of the saints. I'm asking, what's the feeling that you have when you get ready to meet with him? Because I don't want you to go through life simply fulfilling religious obligations and spiritual routines. I'd hate to have you think that getting dressed up and just being around other Christians is everything that God has for your life. And I sure don't want you to be caught off guard when he returns because none of us know the day or the hour. We've got to live ready today because when he comes, there won't be time to get ready. What's that old sports analogy? You don't have to get ready if you stay ready. (laughs) We got too many people in churches thinking that they can wait to get ready. None of us are promised tomorrow. Just this past week, I received shocking news. One of my dear friends in ministry, partner in missions around the world, Tom Green, died of a sudden heart attack, was fine. Preached the day before said, I'm going to give my life, the rest of the years of my life are going to be the best years of my life for the glory of God. And the next day, sudden heart attack, didn't make it. We're not promised tomorrow. We've got to live ready. What tragically, this is an admission that we made 
Not talking about other people's church. We're talking about people you and I see every week. Tragically, some who come to church each week don't actually know the Lord. You might know about him. You might know some of the things that he's done. But here we read in Scripture that not everyone who says the right things Not everyone who's memorized the right things to say actually believes and is prepared to spend eternity with him and therefore will spend it apart from him. So number one, more important than the rest, we've got to be prepared for the Lord's coming. Number two, we've got to be prepared for spiritual battle. I'm not trying to scare you but I I do need to prepare you. You've got to be prepared for spiritual battle. I could have put warfare, but I was trying to ease into it. (laughs) Let me just read to you the scripture. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 to 18. This past week, my wife was doing, or maybe the week before another, the devotional by Priscilla Shire on the armor of God. And here we see, this is, what we read about in scripture, Ephesians chapter six. Finally, be strong in the Lord. By the way, we have a lot of Christians trying to be strong in anything but the Lord. It's not what it says. It doesn't say be strong in your opinion. It says be strong in the Lord. Amen. And in his mighty power. What do we need to do? Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. What's he saying? Quit being a spiritual streaker. Because the enemy's gonna attack where you're not guarded. Like I talk with people, I talk with pastors, and I'm just like, once you know where you're weak, guard it. When you know where the gateway to your soul is, you better guard it. That's where the enemy's gonna try to walk through. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, don't be surprised. Some of you are like, I can't believe evil has come. He told you, be prepared. Because when the day of evil comes, then you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's our offensive weapon. That's what I'm telling you. You've got to be in the word. <laughs> Otherwise, you're only playing defense. 
Newsflash, you got to put some points on the board. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit. This is his summary. (laughs) Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. You see, friends, spiritual warfare is not a theological concept to be evaluated, but it's a reality that we're already engaged in. Whether you know it or not, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. Right? We're trying to teach you about these things, not just on Sunday morning, especially Wednesday nights at prayer gathering. Why? Because as the return of our Lord gets closer and closer, the enemy is going to be continually fighting against the gospel spreading to every nation. We should not be surprised as we have this emphasis on prayer and missions that the enemy is going to come out of the woodwork to stop those things. Pastor Doug Graham, he's preached here a number of times and uh, assistant superintendent for the Minnesota District of Sons of God that I get to serve on the executive team with. He uh, said this to me a month or two ago. He said, the armor is inconvenient, but necessary for battle. Like nobody thinks walking around Mall of America with all the armor is like, this is phenomenal. <laughs> like it's inconvenient takes time. You got to put it on. You got to walk around. But it's necessary if you're in battle. How many have fallen into the deception that we're not in battle? Like like this is a life of comfort and ease. (laughs) No, we got to put on the full armor of God. You're like, man, pastor, we're, we're, we're scheduling more prayer. We're praying a lot more. Why? Because we're training you up in spiritual things, raising up a team for deliverance ministry, because we know, according to scripture, I just read it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And yet it seems our nation and yes, even our churches have been consumed with fighting against one another over the last couple of years. Maybe it happened before this, but in my lifetime, maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment, but I don't really remember a time where there was more infighting within the body of Christ in the last couple of years. I mentioned this before. It's kind of what knocked me on my heels. I was a little bit... Uh, confused or dazed. I was stunned for a moment. It wasn't what people out there were saying or doing. It was what people within the church walls were saying and doing, right? I've been in ministry long enough, served in leadership. I expect those who don't serve Christ to say and do crazy things. But from those who claim to be transformed by the finished work of Christ, those who've been made new and supposedly have died to sin, (laughs) Some of the things that have been said and done over the last couple of years have quite literally shocked me. And maybe that's on me for failing to realize it, it wasn't really them. I mean, it was, but maybe not really. But it was the enemy working through them. I'm not saying they signed up. They were like, today is the day. I'm going to let the enemy use me. <laughs> There was three or four people that I think prayed that prayer, but I'm just saying in general, it might've been more unknowingly because how many people know 
the devil's been busy, but, but like a lot of people have failed to realize that the enemy is not your spouse. Four of you are still not convinced, but that's okay. I'm just telling you, friends. The enemy is not your spouse. Uh, some people, they, they, they've forgotten that the enemy is not your neighbor. Even if they turned you into the HOA. Come on, somebody. The enemy is not your pastor. I wrote down right on here. Can I get a good amen? I put it in parentheses. It's in my notes, paragraph five. I'm not your enemy. But we've got to put on the full armor of God because we're in a spiritual fight. And I love the concluding remark that the Apostle Paul gave to the church in Ephesus on this topic of spiritual battle. He said, pray in the spirit on all occasions. Listen, I unashamedly, I get some things that have been weird in the past and all that, but I unashamedly believe you and I, we need the full power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because the truth is, a lot of us are a little tired. You know, Wednesday night we were praying, Pastor Vicente led such a strong word on the courts of heaven uh, on Wednesday night. By the way, these now going forward, if you can't be in the building on Wednesday, it's not going to be able to be online. We've got different missionaries and workers with us from around the world, and so it's going to be in the building and only. Um, but, but as we were praying, we've been praying for nieces and nephews. We just got together in a group, and we began to pray. We held hands, and we were just praying. And then I said, you know, I just spent three days this last week with 500 pastors from across our state, and it seemed like I heard from so many Time and time again, it's just, I'm tired. I'm worn down. I'm weary. I just, and I was like, as we were sharing on Wednesday night in the circle, you know, the feeling is not just limited to those in vocational ministry. Really, it seems like the body of Christ, we all, many of us maybe, just feel tired. We, we've had economic uncertainty and racial tension and, and um, uh, a lot of uh, COVID, um, it's weird, right? Like I couldn't even think of the word for a second, but um, <laughs> that other thing that, oh yeah, COVID, that's right. Um, just tired. And, you know, playing sports, I got friends that have played way better, you know, professional and Ronaldo Wynn, who came and preached here on Super Bowl Sunday when we hosted it here a few years ago in Minneapolis, played 13 years in the NFL. He said, you know, Derek, at the end of the season, everybody's playing hurt. You just hope nobody's injured. He said, I'm taking pills to numb the pain. I'm just getting back in. It's ice bath. It's recovery. He said, we're all playing hurt. Nobody's healthy at the end of a football season. He said, but when the last game happens. <laughs> he said, we want to be in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but we look forward <laughs> to not getting hit, just being with our family, just disconnecting. But you know, I thought about something as we were talking on Wednesday night and we were praying. There's so many of us, I think the body of Christ, it feels like most, if not all of us, we're just playing hurt right now. People have said things, they've done things. As I talk to so many pastors, it's like they want to change churches because they're just tired of being hurt by the people they know. They'd rather get hurt by new people in a new town. Just being honest. That's what the people think, you know, because 
But people are people, right? And so, but you know it. You, you, you've had families torn apart in the last couple of years. You, you've had friends that you're not, you know, it's just, but we're all, the body of Christ, I think we're just playing hurt. But if we believe the word that we claim to, we don't really get to have an off season. Now, now we need to find times of rest and recovery, right? Sabbath is important. We might need seasons. So I'm not saying, but we can't disconnect from the spiritual fight. There's no like holy truce. And we're like, all right, devil, I need a year off. So if you can wait to quit attacking my kids, my marriage, my neighbors, I'll be ready to fight you next year. But 2023, I just need a break. No, friends, we don't get an off season from the spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. We must continue to fight. We can't afford to give up the ground So we gotta find ways to rest. We gotta find ways to recover. But here's what happened as we were praying. I I felt it, Darnell, as we were praying. I just began to pray. I I said, you know, I have some friends that run. I know what you're thinking. I look like I run. No, I don't. I don't look like it. I don't look like it, you know, at all. But they talk about like getting a runner's high or catching a second wind. And I said, you know, I think that's what the church needs. We need to catch our second wind. I was thinking back to Pentecost when that wind, the, like a sound of a mighty rushing wind. What did Paul say? We've got to pray in the spirit on all occasions. <laughs> I'm praying that the church of Jesus Christ in America catches her second wind again. Why? Because we can't afford to drop out of the race. Right? We can read these scriptures. You were running a good race. What happened? Somebody cut you off? What, what's, what's going on? Friends, we cannot afford to quit the race. We've got to run it with perseverance, the race that's been marked out for us. Only one runner will win the race. So run in such a way as to win the prize, he says. So we've got to keep running, but we've got to catch our second win. We've got to be prepared for spiritual battle. Number three, we need to be prepared for the work of ministry. Something's happened in our nation that I don't see when I travel the world, but we have, we've, t- we've made Christianity, we've divided Christianity in America to the professional ones, the pastors, and everybody else. Something's happened in America where we've been comfortable to say, well, we'll pay him or her to do that and we'll just watch. What do we read here in Ephesians chapter 4? verses 11 to 13. The Bible says Jesus Christ himself, it was his idea, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for the work of ministry. This translation says for the works of service. I'll explain that in a moment. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up Until what? Until we all reach unity in the faith. Could it be that one of the reasons that we lack unity in the faith is because we don't have enough people doing what they should be doing? And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining or mature, if you want to say it weird, whatever. Um, Staff gives me a hard time. They're like, you said it mature like manure. I was like, mature doesn't sound very good mature. Okay, anyway, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If you don't do what God created you to do, we will lack the fullness that he's intended for us. 
Those ministry gifts were given to the church, not just to have more fun on Sunday morning. Those ministry gifts that were given to the church by Jesus were not to do everything. The Bible says clearly he gave those gifts to the church to equip the people for the work of ministry. And some people incorrectly view the ministry is only what those five-fold gifts do. Oh, if you're teaching, if you're preaching, if you're apostling, prophesying. <laughs> but in reality, those gifts were intended to prepare everybody else to use the gifts God has given to them. New translations have changed those words from the work of ministry to say works of service. Why? Because there's even a misunderstanding about what is ministry. But friends, something happens when we realize that whatever our service in the kingdom of God is, that it's really ministry that he's planned for us to do. If you pass out a bulletin, if you greet at a door, you teach kids, lead a community group, mow your neighbor's yard, what, you know, whatever it is, don't just think within the church walls. I'm talking about wherever you do acts of service, it's ministry when you use the gifts that God has given to you to build up the body of Christ in unity. But being prepared is a choice that everybody has to make for themselves, meaning we can't force you to get prepared. We can't force you to use your gifts for the glory of God. We can offer classes, things try to help you, but you gotta sign up, you gotta get involved. Today we got Connect Lunch, Pastor Josiah's been working on things, discipleship process here, prayer gathering. We're trying to train you for ministry and spiritual things, but you've gotta choose to get off the sidelines and into the game. Why? Because we cannot afford for you to meet somebody in need on Tuesday and say, hang on till Sunday when the prayer partners can pray. We cannot afford to say, well, you're sick in your body. In three days, we'll have prayer gathering. Come on out. No, we got to be able to pray. We need everybody to be able to pray for them right there, right then in the name of Jesus. There's a big difference between observation and participation. When I travel around the world, Normally, when I get to meet people that are part of these churches and other places, they'll say what they do for the Lord. Not so much what their business is, but what, you know, if they're a teacher in a Sunday school class, a greeter, they, they're very proud of, of what they get to do for the Lord. Here in America, it seems like more people say what church they are a part of, what church they attend, what church they watch the pastor or the worship team do their thing and leave the same way they came in. There's a difference between observation and participation. Now I get it. When you're new, it makes sense. You got to observe a little bit. Got to find out. Are these people you want to try to trust? Because you met crazy people before you came here. Let me just tell you, we got crazy people here too. And some of them work on our staff. But you've got to find out, can I, can I share my story with these people? And eventually you've got to move from just observation to participation. What is it that God has gifted you to do? Why? Because we will not reach unity in the faith if only some people are doing what God wants them to do. And this is why relationship matters so much when it comes to participation, when it comes to the doing. I mean, of course, we could give you a list of things that need to be done around here, things in our city, but, but it's so easy for that to become a list of tasks 
that you are guilted into doing, which is fine for a little bit, and it'll get some stuff done, but over time, bitterness and resentment can creep in when we're only doing what somebody else wants us to do instead of what God created us to do. Therefore, we need to get to know you, you need to get to know us, so we can help train you to use the gifts God has given you for the work of ministry that he's designed you to do. Not everybody uh, wants to be a greeter. Like if you're mean, we don't want you to be a greeter. We want you in deliverance ministry. Come on, because we're not trying to be nice to a demon. You know what I'm saying? Like, but if you can't smile, don't be out there saying, welcome to celebration. Turn that frown upside down, you know. Everybody should pray, but some will feel a call, a gifting, a, a propensity towards intercession. For those that feel that, it's like a joy to be able to pray. Oh, I can't wait to have another need. If when you see another need, you're like, ah, another need, don't be on the prayer team. I don't know what team for you, but not the prayer team. You know, if Pastor Josiah, he'll help you figure it out. You know, but, but we need everybody using their gifts because burnout happens when you're always doing what other people want you to do or doing what they want you to do for too long. There are times in the emergency where somebody just has to step in and do it, but over time, God didn't make accidents when he created us. He gave us different talents, abilities, giftings, callings. And that's where we say, as part of the body of Christ, what is it that he's using you to do wherever you are, your place of work, where you live, all those things. But that's why when we do what God has designed us to do, we will find fulfillment. And I believe the oil of joy will return to our life in our doing. That's why no matter how many meetings I get stuck in, (laughs) Or complaints that are sent that I disregard, <laughs> delete. If you don't sign it, I don't read it. If you sign it, then I pass the percentage, read it. No, I read them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I get all my own emails. I ain't got no help around here. But. but no matter what my week has been like, I find strength from the Lord when I enter into this holy place. I stand behind the sacred desk to declare God's word to you because I know it's what he created. He called me to do. And I want you to have that same amount of fulfillment, that same amount of joy. And I recognize for most of you, it will not be found in preaching before hundreds of people. Some of you that will steal the oil of joy that you had stored up, but everybody can have it in some way. So I pray whatever area that is, that you would find it so that you could be fulfilled in your life of service to the Lord. Number four, This might be your least favorite one, but it's still in the Bible. (laughs) Number four, you need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for a life of holiness. A life of holiness, which by the way, is way more than a list of do's and don'ts. It's literally the way in which we live, the desires of our heart. Romans chapter 6, verses 20 and following reads like this. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? (laughs) Newsflash, they were not a benefit. They might have seemed fun at the time. I mentioned a week ago, maybe two, whatever. If you didn't have fun when you were sinning, you were doing it wrong. Like, you know, but... But when we look back, we're ashamed of the lies that we believe from the enemy. 
We're ashamed of the choices we made that let our Lord down, let our family down. Like when we look back with the perception, the point of view that we have now, we look back, we're like, what was I thinking? I'm always concerned with people that smile through their whole testimony. I'm like, it wasn't a good thing, you know? Like, like then I was doing drugs my whole life. I'm like, that wasn't a good time in your life. <laughs> what benefit were those that you're now ashamed of? How, those things result in death. There's a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. But now that you've been set free from sin, come on, thanks be to God who saved us by his grace. We've been set free from sin. We don't have to give in to sin anymore. We don't have to say yes to those things, but we have now become slaves to God. The benefit that we reap leads to holiness. When's the last time that Americans viewed holiness as a benefit? Instead of a burden, I gotta be holy. No, we get to be holy. It's a benefit. It's like a built-in feature. It's not a side effect. It's a benefit. And the result is eternal life. It's sad these days that some people aren't ashamed of much anymore. But now that we've been made New. God saved us by his grace. What does our new life look like? It doesn't look like our own ways, or our, but we are now slaves of God. The benefit that leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. A number of quotes that I want to share with you this morning as I prepare to close from Leonard Ravenhill's book, Why Revival why revival tarries. He said, it was so eloquently, and I just read to you word for word. He said, there's an unprecedented, now this is from 1959. So think about what I have to ask some other people what it was like back then, but I'm just saying it was a while ago, 1959. Tanner and I were not here for that. Pastor Dan was. He said, there's an unprecedented tidal wave of commandment-breaking, God-defying, soul-destroying iniquity that is sweeping the ocean of human affairs. Never before have men in the masses sold their souls to the devil at such bargain prices. Mm. You see, there's such a lack of wisdom and discernment in our day that men and women alike are continually given over to their sinful desires more and more. And I suppose that makes sense for those who are not submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit, those whose hearts hearts have not been regenerated in Christ, they've not been redeemed. But what is baffling to me is when believers yes, even pastors, think they need to behave like everyone else in order to reach them. I'm going to have the band come back out. They can start playing. They played for a while in the first service and I didn't stop. We'll see if this works this time. I did. I looked around. It was like 10, 22. I was like, sorry. Duncan Campbell said it this way. He said, a baptism of holiness, a demonstration of godly living is the crying need of our day. Yeah. 
Ravenhill said, the world is not waiting for a new definition of the gospel, but for a demonstration of the power of the gospel. At this point, I don't think it stands out when Christians behave like those who are not saved. And it might be more noteworthy for those who actually believe the word and obey the word today. You know, in the first service, I said nobody would buy the t-shirt. One person said they would, so I'm up to one on this t-shirt idea. But we ought to make holiness great again. I mean, I understand it's not a popular message and do whatever you want, feel like. And by the way, that's not relegated to society. I'm saying that message is preached in pulpits around our nation. You know, we we ought not be comfortable in worship. We're encountering the divine one. Since when was our comfort the intention? I mean, sometimes I think it's easier for many to give their earthly respect to elected leaders here in our day or a famous person than to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Because Ravenhill said the price for revival is high. And God does not want partnership with us, but ownership of us. You see, if we want to see revival in our lifetime, friends, we've got to be willing to sacrifice our comfort and our convenience and be committed to holiness. Scripture tells us, be holy as I am holy. I would probably say to help us understand that intention, be holy because I'm holy. We can't be holy on our own. Like we don't have the ability, we can't try hard enough, do good enough, think good enough, but, but because he is holy, he's given us the ability to be holy as well. But we see many don't really pray anymore. Might participate public prayer meetings, but very few, it seems, Christians have a robust prayer life. And where people's prayer lives have diminished, sin has increased or abounded more and more. Ravenhill said, a sinning man will stop praying. And a praying man will stop sinning. Now, I know some of you right away, you're like, I don't know. I've seen some pastors in the news. They did some praying and some sinning. That's a good point. Public prayer really won't stop you from sinning. But those private, intimate moments with the Lord, not things that other people can see or, or sound like. Ravenhill, at some point in his book, he said, I, I wrote it down, let me read it to you. I just, the pulpit can be a shop window to display one's talents, but the prayer closet allows no showing off. 
Not when we're in Christian settings do we pray. But when we're all alone, do we spend time with him? Because here's what, what I believe. If we're committed to our sinning, we will eventually quit our time of prayer. And if we continually pray, what do we do? We're transformed into his likeness. We become more like him when we spend time with him. When we're much with God, we can do much for God. When we spend time with him in prayer, we become less like ourselves and more like him. And a praying man or woman will eventually stop sinning. So I ask us all today, How are our private moments with God? See, there are times, next week would be one, I'll, I'll hoop, I'll holler, I'll have the band play something upbeat. But today is really a matter of personal reflection, a personal inspection. How's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life? Have I muted the voice of the Holy Spirit in sectors, in arenas, in compartments of my life? How's the oil of the Holy Spirit in my life? And also, how's the oil of joy? (laughs) Has living for the Lord just become a burden? You know, enemies out to steal, kill, and to destroy. Quite certain, His aim today wouldn't be for everybody to give up on the Lord. He knows that wouldn't work, but but I do think he's been seeking, working overtime to steal the oil of joy from the body of Christ. You remember when you first got saved, when you first found out Jesus died for you? When you first found out he would trade? (laughs) his life for yours. When you first found out, you didn't have to stay separated from God, but you could be forgiven forever. Do you remember the joy that you felt? When you no longer felt weight down by the sin of your life, you no longer felt pushed down. What a burden that was lifted. The burden of your soul, when it was rolled away, that joy that you felt, have you lost that joy? the struggles of our day, the circumstances that we've been going through, the years that we've been praying and waiting for God to do what only he could do. How's your joy? You know, this last week, my wife said her uh, windshield wiper fluid ran out. Now growing up, not in the Midwest, Every 3,000 miles getting oil change, that was plenty to get that fluid topped off. But it's like in Minnesota, snow, ice, salt, it's like all the time. And it was, it was empty. And it was distorting her vision because the dirt, the windshield wipers here just pushing stuff back and forth on her windshield. Let me just say, when the oil of joy is drained from our life, it'll mess up how you see everything. Look, there's still going to be trouble all around us, friends. The Bible says it's going to get darker and darker until he comes back. Like, I'm not saying, oh, you come, you get a little joy and everything's fine. No, the world's still got problems. People are still going to do 
people things. But when we lose the oil of joy, it messes up how we see everything else. Maybe you need the oil of joy to be refilled this morning. I'm gonna pray for you today. I'm gonna call you forward or, but I'm just gonna pray. Let the ministry of the Holy Spirit, yes, the oil of joy would be poured out upon each and every one of us today. Just bow your head and close your eyes here this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm praying right now for each and every one gathered here in person, those watching online. I ask for a renewed awareness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit today in the lives of your people in each and every area of our lives, not just the time that we're at church, but in how we lead in our homes and how we conduct ourselves at our place of employment, how we learn in school. I'm asking for an increased awareness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of those evidences of his ministry, I believe is joy. So I'm asking for the oil of joy to be returned to your people today. Your church, oh God, has gone through so much. You're not unaware of our plights, our problems, our concerns. You've been walking with us. You're keenly aware that the lack of the oil of joy in your people today. So God, I'm praying for your church, specifically those gathered here at Celebration, those part of our faith family, those who would say, I'm part of the group to say, but I need to be prepared for the return of our King. I'm praying, would you refill our reservoirs today? We need the oil of joy once again. For we've been going through so much, oh God. Thinking specifically of people that I know who've been praying for a long time, they've been waiting people that have working hard for a long time and it just hasn't produced those results. People that have been doing everything they know to do, but sickness has come to their family and layoffs have been at their door. Bad reports and people have walked out and God, they just seem a little tired today. I'm praying that you'd refill their reservoir today. Holy Spirit, that you would pour your oil of joy into your church once again. Across this nation, throughout our land, I pray that the oil of joy would mark the people of God once again. That believers would no longer be, be marked by routine and restriction, and, but they'd be marked by your joy that it's a joy to serve our neighbor, that it's a joy to help those in need. It's a joy to reach out to those who've been overlooked. It's a joy to serve in your house. It's a joy to give our lives to you. Because Lord Jesus, you look forward to the cross. And you considered it a joy that was set before you. Because you recognize there's nothing greater men and women, boys and girls who've been dead in their sin, to be forgiven, to be set free, to be delivered, 
and to live for you. So God, I pray, through the help of your Holy Spirit, would you refill words of ours today? And my heart, and the hearts of those here, and the hearts of all those in your church, let the oil of joy flow once again. I'm asking, oh God, that as the oil of joy is refilled in our lives, that you'd help us see things more clearly. The enemy has sent distractions. The enemy has sent divisions. The enemy has sent discouragements. Many things to distort our vision, how we see things. And oh God, I pray, let that oil of joy help us to see things as you see them. As I pray every week before I get up to speak, I say, oh God, give me eyes to see people as you see them. I'm asking, would you help your church see people as you see them? As those whom Jesus died for, more than a project, more than a conversation, interrogation, more than a debate, as people whom you, Lord Jesus, died for. Help us to see things as you see them. Give us vision, oh God, to see people, to see things in this life the way that you do. Help us to give everything we have, to use the gifts that you've placed inside of us for your glory and for your fame so that we could reach unity in the faith together. Father, today I pray that you bless your people in their coming and in their going and their rising up and in their lying down. Would you continue to be gracious? We pray. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Pastor Dan, if you'd come. Well, we did it again. I went just as long, praise the Lord. Thanks for coming out and uh, helping me stop. I didn't work, but praise the Lord. Thank you so much to every one of you. If you're new, I'd love to meet you. I'm gonna slide out to the lobby. I'd love to shake your hand. Thanks for being with us here today. Pastor Dan, give us our instruction. Tell us where lunch is, praise the Lord. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.